I have always loved flowers. When I was about five years old, I couldn't resist the flowers in my next door neighbor's flower beds. One fine day, I found them so alluring, I decided to pick some. Stealing the neighbor's marigolds and petunias was naughty enough, but for some reason, I decided to go around the block, knocking on doors of other neighbors to see if they wanted to buy <laughs> any of my flowers. Well, we lived on a block of duplexes that looked a lot alike. And being only five, it's understandable that I got a little confused about where my house actually was. I really didn't have free reign of the neighborhood. I had embarked on this little adventure without permission from my parents. The thing that really got me in trouble, though, was this. I knocked on the door of the next door neighbor whose flowers I had stolen. And I asked her if she wanted to buy some of my flowers. Well, she recognized me, and she recognized her flowers, and she marched me right home, and I got a really big spanking that day. And a lot of time alone in my bedroom just to think about what I had done wrong. After my kindergarten year, my family moved to a house with a big yard, and we planted a really large garden with lots of flowers all around the borders. Our new next-door neighbor, Mr. Hennig, had vegetable and flower gardens even bigger than ours. But I had learned my lesson, so I didn't attempt to steal any more flowers. But Mr. Hennig became kind of a grandfatherly type figure to me. He was always happy to have me help him in his garden. And it was filled with so many colors, so many varieties of flowers, and of course birds and bees and butterflies and insects that the flowers attracted. So I was in seventh heaven when I could spend time in Mr. Hennig's garden or in my own backyard. My mom, hoping to pre prevent recurrences of my criminal childhood past, <laughs> decided to resurrect an old tradition. Knowing my love of flowers, she introduced the tradition of the May basket, once a popular practice, but as Terry attested to, not really celebrated much in this century. How many of you ever delivered surprise baskets of flowers to people on May 1st? All right. So kids, the idea of a May basket, which you can make with paper flowers or fresh cut flowers from your own garden or from the store, is that you, you actually, I wrote a little note on mine. It says, Happy May Day, and this side says, from your secret friend. And um, I have, you can make paper flowers, or there are also some egg carton shells that look like tulips. Yep, Mara's coloring one. And what you can do with this is you can go up to someone's front door, hang this on their door knob, or put it on the porch, and then you knock, and you run, and you kind of hide, and you look to see if somebody comes to the door. It's fun to really see the delight when they find their May basket. So, so we're resurrecting that tradition. You can add a 
little note to yours if you want to. So I'm reintroducing this May Day tradition today, partly as penance for my partially misspent early childhood, but also to remind us that giving can be so much more rewarding than receiving and certainly more satisfying than taking. As a lover of flowers, one of my absolute favorite places in the entire world is Crested Butte, Colorado, the wildflower capital of Colorado. All right, Katz has been there. I've had the pleasure of being there many times in the summer when they have their wildflower festival. And I can close my eyes just about any time I want to and in my mind go to one of those fields of wildflowers. In fact, I do this on a fairly regular basis. It's kind of a meditative practice or a calming practice for me. Being in a field of wildflowers, marveling at all the colors and shapes and the different varieties, it's such a joy. And when I'm there, I can't help but think of one of the conversations between Suge and Seely from The Color Purple by Alice Walker. And Jean is going to help me with this. More than anything, God love admiration. You saying God is vain? No, not vain, just wanting to share a good thing. I think it ticks God off when you walk by the color purple in a field and don't notice it. You saying it just want to be loved like it say in the Bible? <clears throat> yeah, Seely. Everything want to be loved. Everybody want to be loved. Uh, sing and dance and holla, just wanting to be loved. Look at them trees. Notice how the trees do everything people do to get attention, except walk. Oh, Miss Seely, I feel like singing. singing. I feel like singing when I'm in those fields of wildflowers, and Gary will attest to the fact that when we're hiking, I often do that. But I wonder sometimes how long those beautiful fields of wildflowers will endure. How long will the many varieties of flowers continue to appear? Research scientists in the Crested Butte area are monitoring the decline of bees, butterflies, animal and bird species there. Who, like Joy, the little bird in our story for all ages, will plant seeds of hope for the mountains? the critters, the flowers, and for future generations? What can we do to pay it forward so that others who come after us can be refreshed, renewed, and awed by the marvelous diversity of, of life on our planet? Most of you have probably heard of the seventh generation principle attributed to the Constitution of the Iroquois Nations. In part, it says, in every deliberation, we must consider the impact on the seventh generation, even if it requires having skin as thick as the bark of a pine. Orrin Lyons, chief of the Onondaga Nation, writes, we are looking ahead, as is one of the first mandates given us as chiefs, to make sure and to make every decision that we make relate to the welfare and well-being of the seventh generation to come. 
What about the seventh generation? Where are we taking them? What will they have? What will life be like 140 years from now? Will some present-day forms of life no longer exist on this planet? Will Earth's remaining humans, if any, be singing a new version of that old folk song, Where Have All the Flowers Gone? I hope not. Will we develop skin as thick as the bark of a pine to do what must be done to give our children, our grandchildren, our great-great-grandchildren, and beyond a planet and lives worth living? How will we pay it forward? How will we preserve the beautiful diversity of our planet? Our worship theme for the month of May is justice, future earth. We'll be talking more about this on May 15th, taking a look at how things might be different 100 or more years from now. It should be interesting and potentially hopeful. For now, let's pause a moment and listen to some of the words of Norbert Chopik as we prepare to take our morning offering and celebrate this community with a flower communion. <laughs> 